Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Christ is coming. And that's not a question. We're in the, starting a series. We just finished up in Philippians, and we're starting um, this season of Advent, as you've heard throughout the service. Uh, Christ is coming. And if you uh, think today, if you remember back to what the Kraft family led us in, and thank you to the Kraft family for doing that this morning, uh, they talked about that that brings hope. All right? and so this whole Advent thing is a picture of, of light, the light of Christ coming and shining in the darkness. And today we see one of the things that brings in, that is hope. And I'm so thankful for the kids and the, the, the students and the worship team um, all together this morning leading us. Um, because I want, I want you to understand, and, and they know this, we have talked to them about this, is it is beautiful to see them up here singing. And as parents, as church family, we love to see them doing that. But they're not performing. They are leading us in worship together. And it's been so sweet to see them really gra- grasp that, understand that um, in these, these weeks leading up to this. Um, this morning, though, I want to ask you a question. And, and by the way, my name's Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries, if you don't know me. Um, I want to ask you a question this morning. We talk about Christ is coming. We talk about this hope and that it brings. And, and so do you have hope this morning? You know, I think the answer, as we talk about these things, and we're sitting here this morning, that the answer is, well, yes, because we're talking about Jesus, right? Yes, I have hope. And I would also say that probably for most of us, there are times in our lives or seasons in our lives, and then some of you, it kind of is is your life as a whole. Uh, not, Not really. I don't really have that hope this morning. And we're going to look today, um, as we start this series, we're going to look to Isaiah chapter 11, which the Kraft family read for us earlier today. We're going to look to that and see that, you know, Israel, the people of Israel, they were without hope too when we come to the time of of our passage this morning. I'm going to show you why. Um, And we're going to see today that kind of the biblical definition of hope is this. Things seem impossible, but Jesus will restore all things. Okay, so I'm going to say it again. Things seem impossible, but Jesus will restore all things. And I'm going to keep it really simple this morning because our three points are going to come from that too. Things seem impossible is point one, but Jesus is point two, and will restore all things is point three. So kind of help us follow along with that today. Um, the, the Kraft family read the passage in its entirety earlier, and so I'm going to read each verse as we come to it um, in the sermon. So I'm going to jump right in. Point one this morning. Things seem um, impossible. Verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 11 says this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And what Isaiah is doing here is using an illustration to describe the situation to the Israelites. And so why does he talk about a stump here? What's he doing here? Well, throughout the Bible, there's an imagery um, of a seed growing into a tree, going into growth, growing into the fruit, and it's this picture of God's promise growing. Okay, and that, that goes throughout the, the Bible. It starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin, right? Y'all remember that, kids? 
Adam and Eve sin. We've talked about that enough, right? Adam and Eve sin. And there's brokenness. There's separation from God. But what does God promise to do? It says he promises that through the seed of the woman, he will bring the promised one. Right? Through the seed of the woman, he will bring the promised one. As you think through that, it's okay. <laughs> we'll go ahead and just say that now. It is okay. <laughs> All right? So, through the seed of the woman, there's going to be the promised one to come. Okay? And as, as we talk about that, you remember what happens. The seed is the one that's going to come, that's going to defeat Satan, that's going to defeat sin, and that's going to restore hope to all who are his, his people. All right? But if you pause a minute... The normal thing we think about when we think of a seed growing, right, there's a normal order. You plant a seed in the ground, right? What happens after you plant the seed in the ground? If you're a good gardener, the seed begins to grow, right? Turns into, yeah, we're going to use a tree right now. Kind of, it could be a flower. It grows into a tree, right? Seed grows into a tree. The tree gets bigger. The tree starts to produce fruit, right? That's what the people of Israel were expecting, they were expecting the Savior to come, and so things were just going to keep growing. Things were going to keep, fruit was going to keep coming. Things were going to keep getting better. God was going to fulfill this promise, and everything was going to be okay. Here's the problem. That is the normal order of things, but here's the problem. God did, God did continue to keep his promise, but because it didn't look like normal growth, because they didn't seem to be seeing the good things they, they expected God to do along the way. Some of that was because of their disobedience. And there were consequences for their disobedience. Some of that was because they misunderstood the promise. But it, things didn't look like they expected it to. And then it gets to the worst of it. And that's where we come to this picture of the stump. All right, that he's using here. And so, when you think of a stump, what do you think about? A tree. Or maybe what used to be a tree? Yeah, right? A stump is something where a tree used to be. That's how we view that. It's a place where something was once alive, and it's cut down and gone. And that's why Isaiah uses a stump to describe Israel at this point. So he's using, he's using this and saying, things for the people of Israel don't look like they wanted them to look. They don't look like they expected them to look. In fact, things are bad. You know what was going on right now? In the, in when Isaiah writes this, the northern kingdom of Israel has been destroyed. And there's like stumps everywhere, so to speak. Okay, that's an illustration. And the southern kingdom of Israel were feeling that their hope was lost because Uzziah, their good king and leader, just died. Right, and so they're looking at this whole thing and they feel forsaken, they feel abandoned. It looked to them like all hope was lost. In fact, I'd even say that hope was probably the last thing in the world they were thinking about right now. I have a friend who often reminds me of a quote from The Matrix. And it is that hope is the quintessential human delusion. And sometimes it feels that way. In fact, apart from Jesus, that's kind of true. Right? That's how the people of Israel were likely feeling right now, too, though. Hope is the quintessential human delusion. Think about, set, set yourself in the place of the children of Israel for a minute. All right? All their lives, the children of Israel 
This isn't just some, this, these are real people, right? And all their lives, the children of Israel have heard the stories that God had delivered the people. They heard the stories that God had provided. They heard the stories that God had promised to provide them a king that would never let them down. So, so that's what they've heard. But they're, they're looking around themselves. They're looking around at what they see. And all they see around them is fear, is struggle, is destruction, brokenness and families. Lots of things going on around them. Nothing is like it should be in their minds. Nothing is like it should be. And that's where God comes in and he reminds them of his promise. He reminds them that he provides hope. Now, you may be sitting in here this morning and you're either in a season of life where you're just not feeling a lot of hope or you're sitting in here this morning and you're, you're, um, your life in general, you're like, yeah, things are not what I wanted it to be. And I just don't have hope this morning. I want to encourage you to keep listening because this promise is not just for the people of Israel. This promise is for us as well. And he says here, there will be a shoot that comes forth from the stump of Jesse. Anybody remember who Jesse is? Jesse was the father of a king. Who was that? David, right? Jesse's the father of the King David, all right? David, if you remember, was the youngest and most insignificant son of, Dave, of, of Jesse. He's out in the field tending sheep. They, they, Samuel, the prophet, came and was talking to all the other sons. Nope, God's like, nope, that's not the one. Nope, that's not the one. Oh, this little guy, this insignificant one. He's the king. He's going to come and he's going to be the, the king. He's going to be, he's the anointed one. And through his lineage, through his line, Is going to come the true king. It's going to come the savior. The one to rescue the world. And so here through Isaiah, even though it seems like all hope is lost, God is saying there is going to be a shoot that's going to come up out of what seems dead. It looks like this. There's going to be a shoot that comes up out of what looks dead. Now, um, a, a lady came in that wasn't, she wasn't in the first service. She didn't hear the sermon. She walked in and she happened to see the children's um, coloring page today, which is basically this. Okay. She said, are you kidding me? God. On their way here, coming down Pittman Road, she had just remarked to her family that there was a stump, a big stump. With the, she's like, did you see that? With a tree growing out of the middle of it. That is beautiful. Isaiah is saying, yeah, the kingdom is destroyed. It seems hopeless from a human perspective, but hope is not gone. Because God is going to keep his promise by sending Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Today, though, again, when we look at our life sometimes, hope seems impossible. When we look at the world around us, we think about what people are saying about Christianity. It almost seems impossible sometimes that this can be true. But I want to remind you that people have been talking about that for years. C.S. Lewis in, in 1940 um, was talking about, um, there's, there's a quote, I'm not going to read the whole thing, I'm going to paraphrase some of it and read a little bit at the end, but he, but he, he said, people keep saying that Christianity is dying. 
This is 1940s. It may sound familiar. People keep saying Christianity's dying. The world says that again and again. But they have been wrong every single time. They say it's going to die from persecutions. They say it's going to die because people gain more scientific knowledge. They say it's going to die, and he uses the, the phrase, because of the rise of Islam. They say it's going to die because of corruption from within and corrupt leaders. But do you remember the first time everyone thought Christianity was dead? There was a crucifixion. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. They killed him and they thought they had taken care of it. C.S. Lewis says, and Jesus came to life. And so the greatest stump was the crucifixion. They thought it was gone. Everyone said, it's over. We always say it's over. They keep on killing Christianity and each time it keeps coming back to life. It looks impossible. But it cannot be stopped. Here's the deal. The day may come where I go to prison or worse for preaching the gospel. The day may come where we lose everything because of the good news of Jesus Christ. It may not. But it might. But I want to tell you this. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care what people, people are like, oh, Christianity is declining, this and that. Here's what I want to tell you. It has persevered again and again and again. And it will not be stopped. Amen. Kids, I don't care what you hear. It will not be stopped. Jesus has never failed. the way God always works. When things seem impossible from a worldly way of looking at them, God is still going to keep his promises. The problem for us is often that we believe the lies of the world. We believe the lies of the culture. We look at things the way the world looks at things. And so as a result, things seem lost to us. Hope seems lost. And from that worldview, the idea that Christianity is declining, that generations are not going to church, Christianity is not going to survive, if that's the worldview we're taking, things will seem impossible. We should have a different worldview that is governed by what God's Word says. Or maybe in our own lives, personally, that my life is messed up. It's not what I wanted. It's beyond hope and repair because of all these things going on. Tim, if you only knew what was happening. But kids, young and old, I want you to hear something again. Because it's really important as you grow up. If you get your understanding of what God is doing through what the news is telling you, through what you see on social media, through what your friends are telling you, even through sometimes our own experiences, you will be discouraged. Things will seem hopeless at times. And I want to encourage you instead to get your views through what the Bible says. 
Now, let me be clear about something, okay? Kids, look at me just a minute. I want to make sure you hear this. Here's the thing, okay? You may not understand everything that the Bible says. Does that come as a shock to you? <laughs> Let me tell you a secret. I don't understand everything the Bible says. Pastor John, Pastor Mark, our, our leaders, we don't understand everything the Bible says. Your parents don't understand everything the Bible says. But we want to keep going to God's Word and, and asking the Spirit of God to illuminate, to, to help us see it clearly and understand what it says. And we want to do that again and again and again because that is the only thing that is faithful and secure in bringing true hope. Okay? The Bible points to the promise that Jesus is the one who has come to save us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He brings hope to what seems impossible. And that leads us to the second part of our definition of hope this morning. Things seem impossible, but Jesus. I know that's really complicated, but Jesus. And in verses 2 to 5 that we'll read in just a minute, we see the qualifications for why Jesus is the hope when things seem impossible. But kids, uh, when, you go to, when you go into class and a teacher says to you, we are going to have a great year. Some of you might be like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. But what most of you do, most of us would do, is, hey, we're going to have a great year. So you start paying attention to the teacher. You start paying attention to the, the rules of the classroom and the thing they say, the things they say. Um, you're listening to the things you've heard other people say about the teacher and about the classroom. Um, all of that is an example of you trying to understand, okay, this teacher says we're going to have a great year, but I want to see if this teacher is really qualified to, to produce all that promise, right, to, to make that happen, right? What Isaiah's doing here is, hey, people of Israel, this Messiah, he's going to come, and he's qualified. He can produce on this promise. Let me tell you why. And that's what we see in verses 2 to 5. Talking about Jesus, Isaiah says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And so what is Jesus' number one qualification? As the Son of God, as part of the, the triune God, we are shown here that he is full, totally full of the Holy Spirit. And that is his number one main qualification. And from that flows all these other things. And there are seven of them. Um, I'm going to list them for you. Okay? Number one, Jesus has complete and full wisdom and understanding. Did you catch that? Complete and full wisdom and understanding. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's not a, it's not even a limb, it's based on fact. Uh, there's not a single person in this room that has complete and full wisdom and understanding. But what does that mean for us? It means that Jesus is not shocked. Jesus is not shocked by anything going on in your life. Jesus isn't shocked by anything going on in your family or anything going on in the world. So the second qualification, Jesus knows our motives he knows the desires of our hearts, and he knows our thoughts completely. 
That means that no one, not one of you, not one of us, can fool God, can fool Jesus. Number three, Jesus has counsel and might. What that means is Jesus has a strategy. He's not up there like some haphazardly just kind of, oh, yeah, we might do this, we might do this. Jesus has a strategy and knows what needs to be done, and he knows that perfectly. Number four, Jesus has all power and authority and is perfectly in charge of all things. Number five, Jesus fears the Lord. And he's talking about this one to come in his humanity. Jesus was fully God and fully man in his humanity that he submitted himself to the will of the Father while on earth. Number six, Jesus judged by what was right, not by what was perceived to be true. You know, a lot of times, um, so kids, when, when we as parents are making decisions in your life or trying to help you make decisions, we're doing the best we can. We're praying, we're asking God, and by his, his Spirit, he teaches us, and we're trying to understand the right things to do in your life. But guess what? There's still part of that where we're really just trying to understand. Jesus didn't just go by what he saw and what he perceived to be true, but what he had learned. He judges by what is right, because he is fully right and righteous. Number seven, Jesus cared for the weakest among us. That does include, if you look through these verses, that does include the poor, that does include those who are less fortunate, that does include those who are hurting, um, all those things. But I want to be very clear here because this theme is throughout Scripture. You know who the weakest are? Yes, those. I think all of us. Every one of us. We are the weakest because we have no strength apart from what Jesus has done. So it sums up this way. Jesus is far more holy than we can imagine and far more loving than we could ever hope. See, he knows all those things in his holiness, in his righteousness, and his justice. And he came to be God with us, to bring hope, to restore hope. Things seem impossible. But Jesus is the one who is qualified, and he will restore all things. That's our third point this morning, that he will restore all things. Isaiah now turns to give a future and prophetic picture of what things will be like as Jesus restores all things. And it doesn't sound right to us. So, um, kids, because I'm going to ask you a question, man. So listen to, to, as I read this. It really doesn't sound right, okay? Because here's what he says. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. That means he'll live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid, every time I heard a story about a wolf and a lamb, it didn't turn out too good for the lamb. Kids, what do leopards try to do to goats? And what would lions try to do to calves or, or bears to cows? What would happen? Exactly. They would try to eat them. Right? That's what happens. He even says that the fattened calf, the one that would be the most delicious to the lion, would be there. 
but, but the lion, these animals are not eating the others. That seems kind of impossible, doesn't it? But you know what else? He says in the middle of all that, a little child will be leading. Parents, would you put your kids in a group of these animals? Of course not, right? That doesn't seem possible. That doesn't seem right. He goes on to say in verse 8 that it's even going to be so different that a nursing child or a child just weaned can play around the cobra's hole or den without fear. We had family in our house this week, um, extended family, and one of my uh, one of my little nieces um, just turned one year old back in August. And for, for most of the weekend, she didn't really want to come to me. She was a little overwhelmed. But I was sitting there cooking breakfast yesterday morning, and her mom was up with her, and um, they walked over, and she just reached out for me. So like, well, I'm taking this opportunity. Bacon can burn. I don't care. Uh, so I, I take her, and I've been working, obviously working on this passage, and and she cuddles her head right up here and just gives me this huge hug and just stays there for a minute. And as she did, the, the weaned child, she's just been weaned, she's this little girl. Things are going to be so much different that this sweet little girl could sit at the hole of a snake, of a cobra, and not fear being hard. you see how different that is? How impossible that seems? It's a picture. He's using things we know to show us what things will be like when things are, just, are restored. All that seems wrong, all that seems hopeless, it will be fully restored in the new heavens and the new earth. And so in verse 9, he summarizes it. And he says, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. That is, in all of God's creation. In the place where God is going to be exalted and worshipped as the, the God over all things. It says, The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the moment when things are fully restored. It's the moment when the struggle with sin will be gone and we will see and know God perfectly. And here's the thing. We were created. We were created with this longing for things to be right and good. You may be here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, but you, but you see justice. You know what things are just and what things are unjust. You want things to be made right. I'm telling you that the Bible tells us that is from God. That is from Him. Sometimes we all want to kill that desire because it scares us. What if it's not true? What if it's not true and I pursue this and it doesn't happen? Jesus came to earth for this very reason. Living in this world, we often experience brokenness and pain and loss and confusion. We often find ourselves wondering why things are the way they are and we feel like there must be more. And the good news, I'll repeat it again. 
The good news is that because Jesus has come, because he is God with us today, and because Jesus is coming again, we get to experience hope. We get to see glimpses of, of hope, of his restoring of all things. And we get to see that today. Yes, it is something that we look to. We look to this picture of what it's going to be, but we get to see glimpses of that today. But to have hope, we are called to submit to him. See, that's where our biggest problem with having hope comes in. Right? We might be struck. We might think, well, we're doing the right things. We're working hard here, but, but things just don't look good. But see, our biggest struggle with having hope is one that we think God's got to do it on our timing. And he didn't do what I wanted him to do when I wanted him to do it. And therefore, my, he's not really listening to my prayers. So what's the point? Why do I bother that's one point. Okay. Another is that we're trying to do everything on our own. Or we're trying, again, to get God to do what we want when we want him to do it. But hope comes from Jesus. Because he is the one qualified to bring hope when things seem impossible. He is the one who will restore all things. And so when we submit to the one who is qualified, when, when we ask him to help us to trust him, he will open our eyes to the ways that he is restoring things. Did y'all catch that? When we ask him to help us trust him, he will open our eyes to the ways that he is restoring things. And, and what's beautiful is then we get to see glimpses. And we will be part of seeing that restoration happen. It's not just sitting back and letting God do some stuff. God calls us as his people to be a part of it. You know where we might see glimpses of that as he begins to open our eyes to it? I'll give you a few examples. One might be when a doctor has wisdom to treat someone Ill, someone's illness and that person recovers. Do you know that a doctor's ability to treat someone's illness, I know they did all the schooling, I know they did all the work, I get all that, but that is a glimpse, that is a glimpse that we get to be brought in to Jesus restoring things. They couldn't do that on their own. That is God at work in our world. We might see it as God gives someone resources from their business to help someone else or to, or to support some things going on in the community. You might see it as we stop to laugh with people or stop to cry with people or stop to pay attention to the seemingly insignificant ramblings of a toddler or a teenager. <laughs> this morning, I was so encouraged as we sat, in the, in, and I mentioned it at the beginning of the sermon, as the kids led us in worship this morning. But part of why I was so encouraged is not just, this is part of it, we see kids learning to find their hope in Jesus, and they're leading us in it. You know, every time we come in here on a Sunday morning, do you, do you know that it's okay to walk in the church on a Sunday morning and not feel very hopeful? You know why that's okay? Because the whole point of us coming together is to find hope in looking to Jesus. Not to come in here and pretend like you've got all this hope together so that everybody thinks everything's okay. <laughs> no, we come in here together to look to Jesus to remember and to have our hope restored. That's why we need each other. 
The kids this morning, they're growing in that. They're learning that. But you know what else was happening this morning? That is a picture of what heaven's going to be like. Because here's the deal. If I went back right now and I, and I analyzed a recording of the service, like when this is over, I go, I analyze the recording of the service. All right? You know what I'm going to find? Some of the kids, some of the student um, leaders, some of the worship team, um, and all of most of us in the congregation sang some wrong notes. Y'all know that? You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But here's why it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the point is, is we are pointing one another to our Lord Jesus Christ who will restore all things. And that day will come where our lives, the way we live, our, our worship, the way we worship, all those things God's going to take and he's going to bring it together through what Jesus has done. And it is going to be like an or orchestra together in heaven. And that's not just with our singing. You know, sometimes... I feel like I'm kind of, if I use that analogy, I'm hitting the right note with God and what God's doing. And sometimes I'm not. Last night when I got angry with my son, I wasn't hitting the right note. Y'all don't all hit the right notes either. I know that. I think you know it too. But the day is coming. We need to celebrate when we do. And the day is coming where we all will. And so this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, things often seem impossible. But Jesus is qualified, and Jesus has done what is necessary. That's what we're going to celebrate at the Lord's Supper to restore hope, to remind us again and again that he will restore all things. And so I want to ask you right now, just to, to take a few minutes, and if you have kids in here with you, you can kind of, you can even, I don't know, you can pray, I'm saying pray silently, but you can pray with them too. Um, pray that God will help you see, will help you grow to trust him, to trust that, that this hope we're talking about is real, not just in some areas of your life, but it's real for every area of your life, even those things right now that people may not know you're going through. And that you would confess where you don't trust Him and ask Him to help you trust Him this morning. It's perfectly fine for you to pray out loud with your children or pray silently, um, and I will draw us back together in just a moment. Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.